this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of The Jay Allen Show. I hope everything is good and grand inside of your neck of the woods. You know, I have to tell you, it's been just a small period of time since you and I got to hang out together. But for me, it's been a totally different whirlwind. I've actually been out of the studio for the last week. So a lot of the stuff that you were getting was recorded on the radio show, but actually then brought into a podcast format, and then we're kind of hanging out here doing what we're doing. Uh, So as we're starting off this lovely week, I mean, to you will be Tuesday more than likely at the time that you're hearing this, but I am actually right after the day after Halloween. And I was taking a look around and taking a listen to what we have going on on the radio station which is safetyfm.com, just in case if you're not familiar, but I'm pretty sure you are because I talk about it all the time here. But I wanted to sit back for a moment today and really let you know what we have to offer. So this is not going to be your traditional show where you would come in, take a listen, and then kind of skedaddle out. What I want to give you today is if I would call it a sampler plate, if I may do so, just the kind of the same way that we have it in safety, I want to give you the sampler plate, if I may, of what we have available on the radio station. Now, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to play every single show that we have available because, you know, that makes it a little bit difficult to do. I'm talking about the different show hosts and so on. But we will be t- concentrating on Safety FM as we're talking about this, not RadioBig.FM, which If you hang out with me, you kind of know that I talk about both of them all the time. So what I would like to do right now is have you sit back for a moment and take a ganda um, and take a listen to what we have going on here on our lovely radio station. You're known as safetyfm.com. And I would love to start you off with the dulcet tones of Dr. Todd Conklin with his episode of the pre-accident investigation. Take a listen right now here on Safety FM. In the mix. We may not be able to, you know, hopefully some of us can, uh, you know, can actually fix that, that system. But to your point earlier about the forklift, if we start to put ourselves into these people's perspective and ask why it made sense to do that, right. we may be able to see how we could make similar mistakes in other contexts. Absolutely. And, and I think you can't say that enough times. I mean, the mm-hmm. bottom line is this is a workplace accident. And so yeah. all the things we know about understanding and learning from a workplace accident would inherently be true in this case, but yeah. the ability to shut up and listen has been greatly controlled, reduced, mashed, whatever word you want to use by the fact that it's a movie set by the fact that it's famous people by the fact that it's gotten a tremendous amount of press. And by the fact that it involves guns, I mean, these are all really important things, but no, at the end of the day, and I don't think this is risky saying at the end of the day, it's, it's not a lot of different than a guy getting smashed with a bulldozer or, or a guy falling off a, a scaffolding to his death. It's tragic. It's horrible. I'm so sorry it happened, but I'm also so concerned about the restorative actions that'll go next mm-hmm. the ability to make the system better and the recognition that there are so many victims of this failure that do to my knowledge, at least as of now are probably worried about criminal activity and stuff like that. I mean, this is really freaky. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and to me, that, that, you know, we can talk about that in two different ways. I think you can talk about it from the humanist perspective where, you know, like what Sidney Decker always says, you know, meeting harm with harm and how that seems at least problematic sometimes, right? Um, but, I mean, from a pragmatic perspective, like, how does that make us better? If people are afraid of criminal activity, they naturally, I mean, people are natural risk managers, right? So they're going to manage the risk that we created by the threat of punishment. Um, and so the, how do they do that? They do that by shutting up. They do that by not telling, by, you know, by not creating accountability and the ability to create an account of what happened. Right. right? And, that, and that fundamentally is going to make it harder for us to get better from this. Uh, it's just it's it's wrong and it's one of the things that's frustrating is there could be actual incidents that may happen in the future i mean this is all speculative but i don't think it's far-fetched that we could have used this incident to learn from to do something different that may happen but because of the threat of punishment we didn't get to learn and so now those things could happen you know what i mean and We'll never tie those things together. We keep the, the pattern of scapegoating will keep happening again and again, and more and more people will keep getting hurt as a result. What's your gut instinct on the reliance on protocol? Um, because clearly this is an operation that relies heavily on experience, you know, experienced armors, experienced professionals, personnel that understand what it's like to have a weapon on the set. And I'm not speculating. I mean, I, I don't know. So I'm wide open on this. And it clearly from what everyone says, relies a lot on protocols. Yeah. You know, this is our yeah. practice. This is how we normally do that. And then yeah. there's kind of these, um, I don't know, these overarching protocols, like never point a weapon at somebody. Those, what's your gut tell you about protocols? My gut is protocols are valuable. They, they're hugely important. They're just not terribly robust. No, that, and that's sort of, you know, I've seen people, and they're and they're very right that you know militaries and and law enforcement, you know, they go long periods of time relying on protocol and, uh, you know, expertise. So, so it show, so it must work. Um, and my concern is that okay, yeah, but they have their their training, their discipline, their all those things are fundamentally different than what we would expect of actors and you know production designers and things like that i mean you know when you're handling weapons every day your your ability to build to create a protocol that becomes robust or robust ish if you will is is significantly more but the capacity to do that on a movie set i'm just worried is not there i mean and again i'm i'm not an expert in this so i wouldn't know but i'm i'm suspicious that the reliance on protocols is is the way forward it seems to me that's that's something that inevitably is going to fail. And I think you you're know? right. And, and to me, this goes back sort of square in the circle. The experts aren't very interested in talking about this right now because to a great extent, I think they see their entire livelihoods in in question at some point. And, and, and I, that's a significant part of this, the restorative practice, sort of the, the idea of asking, okay, who's been hurt by this? Yeah. Right. And that, and recognizing that to a great extent, the industry to to itself is, is at a crossroads, and this can either be a huge cost, a tragic cost, which is currently where it is, that equates into some kind of criminal outcome, whether it's civil or or whatever. I, I don't really know what the future holds there, 
or it can be a, an enormous investment in the way this kind of work is done on a place like a movie set. And the ability to learn from this has to be, I, I know it's present. This is a, a context rich event. There's so much context in this event from, from labor unrest to commuting times to, to identified safety issues, to weak signal indicators, to, you know, some accidental discharges that existed before this happened. It's easy in retrospect to go back and say, well, you know, all the signs were there. But uh, to me, the better question is, is how can we turn up the sensitivity to this high risk phenomena? So that's a great podcast right there talking about some of the things that happened during Rust, the movie set um, between Todd Conklin and Ron Gant. You can find more of that, I believe, on episode 559 of the Pre-Accident Investigation. So as we are going through this today, this is kind of our sampler version of what we have going on on Safety FM, which I would love for you to take a listen to. So right now, let's sit back and take a listen to Alan Wolford. And some some information that he just recently shared on Halloween in regards of what the future has with dragging up 6.0. Take a listen now on this sampler version of the Jay Allen Show of what's going on on safetyfm.com. What got me started into podcasting and sort of triggered the idea of getting on to this format and communicating in this manner was my very first podcast that I did with Sheldon Primus. Now, he interviewed me on one of his earlier shows. He, he's got various shows that he does for OSHA that he does for consultants. And he was also my instructor for my cost certification or certified occupational safety specialist. And that, that got me interested. I liked the format. I like listening to other people that he spoke to because it gave me ideas about the profession. Then through them, you know, I also got to discuss how I got my start in safety through the actions of a worker uh, from Thailand that happened to be on Wake Island with me in my last two years in law enforcement. And simply, if you've not heard the show, what he did was to each morning go out and pass pennies to other workers from Thailand. Now, this may sound insignificant to most as a safety thing, but, you know, so many people have the hype and bullshit that safety is a priority. No, the priority in the minds of many, many workers is the dollar. That's why they're working. You know, it, it's that, that money that they use to support themselves and their families. So his way around this was to hand them a penny. And I can't tell you how much they made. You know, this was a government contract, and I, I don't want to discuss things like that. But when you hand another person a penny, they may drop it. You find them all over the road. People have such small value in something that, that's not a dollar. But these guys, it meant a lot. Because that, that's why they were there. They were there for the money to support their families, take care of their kids, send them to school, buy the property, feed them. And that penny meant a lot. Safety is a mental game. That's what it is. It's not steel-toed boots. It's not glasses. It's not gloves. People around the world where I have lived don't have half that shit. They do have fatalities. They do have injuries. But is it more or any worse than what we have in the States? You'll never know because you won't be there. 
But what made me get even further was being on these two shows with Sheldon. But what they all lit under me was not only made better by the amazing guests that came to the show, starting with Betty Stout, but when JR and I started interviewing people and seeing their views on safety, it gave us a broader spectrum of how safety is viewed as a profession. Betty was our very first interview and became the gentler and softer side of the podcast team when she joined after her show aired. And, you know, we, we picked at her a little bit because of her uh, southern charm and her southern slang. But that was what people liked about our show. We had diversity. We followed this with the incredible human resource and recruiting powerhouse of Jody Considine. Let me tell you, that was one of the best shows we did because when we asked her, you know, questions, it, whether it's a tradesman, it's a, uh, a service type person, a safety person, management, she explained to him how structuring resumes in today's era of computers and algorithms and such had to be done in such a certain way to guarantee your success, to get your foot inside that door. <clears throat> Excuse me. From that, we followed up with Shane Oliver, one of my oldest friends, a former Army veteran, a former medic, uh, who went from the trades uh, as a millwright, who is now a safety manager, got his degree from Columbia Southern. He, he is just working and becoming a fabulous, fabulous safety professional. Then we had on Gerald Austin, the super talented Navy veteran and welding ninja trainer here in East Tennessee. He literally blew away many of our trade listeners with his airtime on dragging up. I mean, his experience and what he's seen in the field and how he developed, you know, it, it was a great show. In addition, Eric Gislason, the director of the National Association of Safety Professionals in Wilmington, North Carolina, inspired so many of the safety profession to take a deeper but honest look at the value or lack of value in their search for accreditation. That yard-long uh, set of acronyms at the end of their names and how they could get training that actually took them from a roadie to an actual rock star. Now, one of the things a lot of people didn't know about the NASP, one is that it existed. If you went to the U.S. Safety Professionals page on Facebook, everybody would say the BCSP is the gold standard. And that's so much bullshit. If you're going to say it's a standard, you have to have it compared to something that's, you know, of uh, value and property as well. It does have value because that's what everybody's looking for. You know, CSP, uh, ASP, these are all good things. That lets a recruiter or another safety professional know your level of achievement. Not your knowledge, not your abilities in safety. It's just a piece of paper they paid for. On the other side, the NASP, you can't get it without being trained. BCSP does not train you. NASP did. And that's what Eric Gislason and the team over at NASP did. So, again, it's mental. You have people that see the value in letters. You have professional organizations that see the value in accreditation through somebody that actually taught it. You're not just going based off your own biased decision that BCSP is great, NASP is better, it's nothing like that. After we aired these guests, there were dozens of emails flooding us from others wanting to get it into our off-the-cuff show. Yet we were completely different. You know, we would discuss some of the stupidest shit out there, talking about Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, wondering how he ran with the shoes, things like that. But that's what people liked about our show. 
We would get a message across, but we'd get, do it in such a way that we made you think, then we made you laugh. We'd break it up with a variety of information, then throw some stupid shit in there just to recharge that mindset, get you to blink and say, what the hell did they say? Because when good communication, you don't want to have that monotone and laser thing, like, you know, precision. Because you get a laser, you're focused on one thing. We're a spotlight. We're going to light up the whole damn spectrum. And that's what people like. But then the bottom of that pot of podcast gold roasted and dropped on us. This is The Jay Allen Show. It's always amazing to me on how technology changes and so does the environment that we're in. And cyber criminals will do everything they can to take advantage of a system. If you don't own a home, you have nothing to fear about what I'm about to tell you. But if you own a home like me and you don't guard it with home title lock, you're inviting home title fraud. One of the fastest growing crimes. Cyber thieves around the world know our home values are sky high at the moment, and that makes us a target. The crime is scary simple. Let me explain it to you real quick. A cyber thief simply forges your name on a property cell form and refiles it. That's it. Now he or she is on the deed of your home and you have no idea that you're a victim. Then the person takes out a loan on your home and vanishes, leaving you to prove to the police that you didn't commit bank fraud. Home Title Locks puts a virtual barrier around your home title. The instant they detect any kind of tampering or anybody messing around, they help shut it down. Look, if you have equity in your home, you need to guard it the best way that you can. Some people might even go as far as guarding it with their life. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you already are a victim. And enter the code RADIO. That's R-A-D-I-O. That's the code RADIO for 30 days free of protection. That's code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. And we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. In the mix. So there you go. We were taking a listen a few moments ago of what Alan Wolford was doing with dragging up 6.0. And I guess, you know, the closure aspect, I, I don't know. I almost kind of felt like we were ending a relationship there. And, and I'm talking about like that kind of relationship, not a podcasting relationship. You get what I mean here. Anyway, so let's talk a little bit more about what's going on with this sampler episode of this show that we have going on. So. Let's take a listen to what other things are readily available here on Safety FM as we are taking a listen to some of the samples of what's out there, what's good and crude and all that kind of fun stuff on what is going on. So let's take a moment real quick and take a listen to the sounds of Emily Elrod and what she has going on with her show, Unapologetically Bold, I not sorry for dot 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 take take a view of what you think it might be next here we go let's get it moving right now in the mix and you already knew that and you say obviously you're you're making it look like you're better or smarter or why are you stupidly telling me something i already know and so I encourage people to don't use that word. 
So let's suppose somebody says something to you and you already knew that. Maybe you knew it because you read an article or you saw a TV show. Somebody tells you a fact, you say, that's great. I just saw a show that confirmed that, or I read an article about that. How interesting. Maybe you'd like to read the article. Or, you know, you can share that you already know it without making the other person feel badly, without so avoiding bragging about it. There's a thousand, there's a thousand and one little, so you're writing a comment on LinkedIn and you start to write, obviously, you go, I shouldn't say that. I should say, hey, that's great. I also recently learned this through this cool documentary made me want to do this, right? And I think those so, are so impactful because I, like me now, I'm going to be like looking through all my words. But, and I think the one thing that you said that was very important that I want to note on is there's a big difference in writing and speaking. And so being more thoughtful and throwing out your bragging points in your writings, because I know that you help a lot with like resumes or, and also some of like the web content and stuff like that. What are some of the other like to do's that you're like, you need, like, if you had top five to do's that you would recommend for people, um, or just the ones that come off your mind, what, what are the top ones that come off your mind whenever, or you see them and you're like, oh, they did it. Um, like, not to, not judgmental, well, I guess, but. You know, the one that I already mentioned where if you want to talk about, I'm proud of this, or I'm excited about that, or I'm pleased that this happened, find the because. Right. So know, know how you can use your accomplishment to help shine a spotlight on someone else or help lift somebody else. Especially, I particularly enjoy working with nonprofits. And so it's always exciting when you can shine a spotlight on a deserving nonprofit who needs help in the community. You can say, I did this. Look at these great people that, it's being, that are being supported. How can we help them? That's, that's one. Another tip is that people want to, they want to describe themselves as being good at something. I'm a great whatever. I'm a great football coach. I'm an excellent public speaker. I'm a crackerjack fundraiser, whatever. Instead of trying to self-anoint yourself with, you know, appreciative terms, can you describe your accomplishment in terms of numbers where other people can figure out the, the right terms to use? So instead of saying, I'm the best CEO this company's ever had, could you say, you know, since I took over, our quality metrics have been up by 20%, profits have been up by 10%. I'm really proud of my team. Those numbers let people know that you're the great CEO without you ever saying, I'm a great CEO. As a, as a football coach, you can say, you could say, I'm a great football coach, or you could say, I'm so proud of my team. We had the, we scored the most goals ever this year and had the, the best record of the last five years, thanks to the team. And people will say, aha, because you're a great coach and you brought them together, right? So, so looking for the numbers and the bigger picture of the other players, it reflects on you that you're good without you saying. So there's that. 
Um, another tip that I that I like to encourage people with is if you have, let's suppose you've achieved a milestone. If you're a writer, I've published 100 articles. If you're a web designer, I just launched my 250th site. If you're a coach and you work with people as a business coach, I've just coached my 100th client. Instead of just saying, I accomplished this, can you write an article or a LinkedIn post or a short blurb of, here are five things I learned in building 300 websites. Here, now that I've coached 100 clients, business as business coach, here are 10 tips that everybody can apply. And now you've taken your accomplishment and said, what have I learned from getting to that accomplishment? How can I freely give that away to other people? Mm, that's, right. That one's very that's important. Well, there you go. That was Emily Elrod right there. Gina, as you were taking a listen. So let's kind of continue on with what we have going on with this sampler here as you're taking a listen along. Now, are you familiar with Jim Pozel? Yes, Jim Pozel from Safety Wars. And maybe the title alone doesn't explain exactly what the show is about, but it's a little bit about everything. It's about the world of point of view from Jim Pozel's point of view and what he thinks about the world of safety, what might be going on during the time that he's talking about it. It's definitely a show that as you take a listen, there's a lot of stuff going on. So sit back for a moment and take a listen of this small sample of Safety Wars featuring Jim Pozel, part of the sampler plate here on Safety FM. And don't worry, you're still listening to The Jay Allen Show. But hey, I wanted to share what else was out there. In the mix. In the mix. This, the list of the top 10 reportedly accounts for about half the violations issued by OSHA. So here we go. We'll start with number 12. Ooh, they said top 10 on this one, so they're actually giving 12. So here we go. Number 12. 1910-303, electrical general requirements, 2,745 violations. Basically, working with electricity. Number 11, another electricity one, 1910-305. That's another general industry. Remember, 1910 general industry. 3,452 violations, again, dealing with electrical wiring methods. Number 10, and this is a relatively new one. This came up a couple years ago into the top 10, and everybody was actually really surprised. And it was in construction, 1926-102, eye and face protection. Number nine, machinery and machine guarding. General requirements, 29 CFR 1910.212, violations. And this is another one, number eight, that comes out throughout this, falls, right? Fall protection training requirements, 29 CFR 1926-503 with 1,743 violations. Number eight, uh, I'm sorry, number seven, powered industrial trucks. That's a fancy word for forklifts. All right, uh, powered industrial trucks. Sort of like hanging steel is a steel erection. Well, this is powered industrial trucks, general industry. 29 CFR, 1910-178. That's 2,093 violations they found. Next one, related to falls. Ladders in construction, 29 CFR, 1926-1053, and it is 2,345 violations. 
Respiratory protection. General industry. In the mix. Okay, so there you go. That has really been our sampler plate on exactly what we have going on here on safetyfm.com. Taking a listen to some different things. Now, I have to tell you, of course, we were not able to get to everybody that's on the station. There's so many other shows that are located right here as well. So maybe we'll have to consider doing a round two in the very near future of what exactly is going on inside of the world of the station. Anyways, I hope you had as much fun as I did as I got to hang out and grab some of these clips of what exactly is going on right now in real time with some of the shows here on safetyfm.com. Anyways, I've been your safety manager and host Jay Allen. Thank you for taking a listen to what we have going on on this show and of course the different array of shows that we play on safetyfm.com. We definitely cannot do what we do without you, the most important part of Safety FM, and that is the listener. So thank you for taking a listen. I'll be back with another episode before too long, so hopefully we'll get to hang out relatively soon. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Want more of the Jay Allen Show? Go to safetyfm.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.